are listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 291. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. We're recording this on Wednesday, but it'll probably drop on Thursday. So happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Happy How are you? Thanksgiving to you, Jimmy, to your family, to the loyal listeners, to everyone out there. Happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you. Even if you're not celebrating Thanksgiving, we're thankful for you, too, uh, especially spending your time with us on the holiday or maybe after the holiday, whenever you're listening to this, but uh, Jimmy Eagles are nine and one and there's no issues to talk about. So we can probably just wrap up the podcast here and we're done. We can call it a week. <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, we have a lot to get to on today's show, but before we do, I have to mention that the presenting sponsor of BGN radio DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL is the place to go to when betting on the league. This holiday season, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 5QUESTIONS. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code five questions only at DraftKings Sportsbook, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. And now here's the disclaimer part that I will try to read very fast without messing up. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at Sportsbook.DraftKings.com slash football terms. Boom. Boom. Not bad. All right. So we are, like I said, recording on Wednesday. It's probably going to... Drop on Thursday. Our apologies. We're like four days removed from the Eagles Colts game, uh, but we'll still cover uh, what happened in that game. Our perspective of that game. We will get into uh, an Eagles Packers preview. We will talk about the Thanksgiving games. We'll make our picks and blah, 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 blah. But let's start with uh, what we saw offensively. Again, you may have already moved on from the Eagles Colts game by now, but uh, offensively, what was your kind of biggest uh, takeaway from kind of Sunday. a throwback BGN radio before we, you know, I've been doing the splits more recently here between the recap and the, <laughs> right. but it's a holiday week and we figured this is probably the most logical way to do it um, for our schedule. So we appreciate you uh, yeah. putting up with us, I suppose. Uh, I was frustrated, Jimmy, with uh, <laughs> uh, the play calling slash game management in this game. I thought this is yeah. by far and away. I used the same exact phrasing the worst game that Nick Sirianni slash Shane Steichen, that combo have had this year. And it really isn't just this game. Um, I thought this game specifically was the most frustrating and perplexing in a lot of ways, but in terms of the offense, not being great and obviously stemming back to the Mm -hmm. loss against Washington, where you look at their last 17 drives and the Eagles have three touchdowns on those. They have one field goal, five giveaways, seven punts, and then a turnover on downs. And I'm excluding like the kneel downs 
and uh, the end of game fumble in the Washington game. So like, you know, like sure. the, the meaningful drives that they've had. Uh, offense hasn't been good. And I feel like Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen need to be a lot better. There's so many things you can get into, I feel like, with Sirianni. Like like um, the drive where I think it was the final drive of the last uh, – of the second quarter, and they run three straight times against a pretty decent – good, really. The Colts are second best, second best against the run in terms of opponent yards per rushing attempt. They run three straight times with, like, 13 personnel on the field, so no A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's not even out there, like – it's just that's <laughs> right. one of the things that frustrates me the most about this staff and i don't think they've done that a ton this year but when they have it's just like they overthink it it's like we have to get this certain personnel in as opposed to i don't know maybe just have your best players in and like get the ball to your best players don't overthink it yeah another example of that too is on that final drive where they once they first got into the red zone i think they're that it's they were at like the 17 or something like that they had a first and 10 somewhere in that range and they were, they ran it three straight times with Boston Scott. <laughs> what are you doing? Why why would you do this? So I guess Miles Sanders had carried it a bunch of times, and he came out because he was tired mm-hmm. or whatever. And they put Boston Scott in, and okay, so don't don't give it to Boston Scott. Like do anything mm-hmm. but. And they give it to him three straight times. Boston Crazy. Scott and they got into like had- a. And they got what, like eight or nine yards, and they're in a. They put themselves in a fourth down situation where they had to convert, or it's he game had over. Two carries combined in the previous uh, two games. <laughs> And they're giving it three times on one drive, and they got to, and like, and you know, do or die moment in the game. Yeah, what what is that? Yeah, a lot of questionable, um, like as you mentioned, the game management decisions, like uh, going for it on fourth and ten. I like the aggressiveness going for it on fourth down, but they could have kicked a fifty-seven yard field goal, which Jake Elliott is certainly capable of doing. I mean, it's pro- that's probably you know low percentage. It's uh, but it is a dome, as you mentioned, and he does have that kind of like he can make that long of a field goal. Um, it's probably still under fifty percent, but then again, for sure, going going for it on fourth and ten also is as well. I'd have kicked the field goal there. Well, especially um, when you the you, other one was why would you uh, not go for it on fourth and four from fourth and uh, fourth and goal from the four yard line too. You know what I mean? Like, where's the consistency there? You're not going to go for it there, but you're going to go for it yeah. here. Like, what is that? I guess they don't think as highly of Jake Elliott, maybe, as we kind of have come to think of him, but whatever. Um, there was another questionable series where the Colts were facing a third and seven uh, near the end of – Colts had the ball near the end of the first half, um, and the clock was running down. The Eagles had a chance to stop the clock in that situation, uh, giving themselves more time to maybe score when they got the ball back, and they didn't. I think that could have kind of gone either way. The one that really stood out was the strange fake mm. sneak. Oh my <laughs> on gosh, and I two. hate this so much. Get into it. At, at the end of the day, or at the end of the game, like they just, nobody in the stadium was fooled by that. Like they came out in that sneak formation with the two guys kind of standing like on, on each side of Jalen Hurts ready to push him across the line of scrimmage. But it was a fourth and two. And I think it was even like a long two. It was even, cl- it was kind of like in between two and three yards. And um, nobody was going to jump in that situation. And they wound up just having to burn a timeout. When if they hadn't convert, like if they hadn't scored on that drive, that wouldn't have been game over. They could have potentially gotten, you know, a couple stops. Um, and he would have had to have punted the ball back. They might have gotten the ball in good field position after the punt. And they would have had a reasonable chance of scoring if they still had, you know, all of their or at least two of their their three timeouts remaining. And 
they by doing that, if they hadn't scored on that drive, and of course they did, so it wound up not mattering. But if they hadn't, game yeah. over. So I thought that was a big tactical mistake uh, in that situation. After the game, Nick Sirianni said, "We're not going to reveal like our thinking on that because it was some like it was some kind of uh, uh, I don't know, like some kind of big secret that they're that they have over the rest of the league where they know something that's in that situation that the rest of the league didn't." And then the day mm, after is, the game, me nuts. he did sort of reveal the reasoning. And go ahead. You seem to be chambered up. And well, ready he to was go like, I can't believe there are beat reporters out there, too, who are like eating this up. Like, oh, wow, that's really insightful or interesting. <laughs> no, it's not. Nick Sirianni's explanation is that like, well, it gives us two chances to make a play there. No, it doesn't. You know, how does lining up like in a situation? What is the percentage of those situations? How many times do you see teams come up and line up in a situation where it's like they're just trying to draw the defense off sides and it doesn't work. That has to be working at like a what? Like 1% rate, if that? Less. Yeah, like it's, less. It's just less a than waste. One. And it's not like a one-way street when it comes to risk there. It's not like – because you're risking your offense potentially false starting on that too. Not to say that's the most likely thing, but there's a chance that could happen. And that might not be sure. totally different than the chance that they're going to jump offside. Um, so, yeah, I thought that it was ridiculous. It's just such a dumb and ridiculous thing. And it's not even the result of that play. It's the thinking. It go. It's the think. It's like this continued trend throughout the game where they're just outsmarting themselves. It's like we have to get 13 personnel on the field, even though we're missing our best tight end. That's the solution to replacing Dallas Goddard is getting Tyree Jackson, Grant Calcaterra, and Jack Stoll out. No. Like they just did so many things that I thought were like uncharacteristically dumb, and that was another one of those things. Like this just does not fit the behavior of, of what this coaching staff has been for most of the season. Well, can we think of um, times the Eagles that like have jumped in that? Like, I can, I think Barnett may have done it like a year or two ago. Uh, Jaquay Parker is is the is the real against the Bills back over ten years ago, twenty twelve or twenty eleven. Was was it the Bills or the Titans? It was was one of those two teams. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, that was the bad one. That was that ended the game essentially. Um, (laughs) But also, you know, you have a good offense. Like you're right. you're you're like you're you're the yeah, alpha team here. Exactly. You don't need to be yep. the one that you know. You're that go go you pick up the, the first down because you're the alpha. Oh, we need team. to trick him. No, don't you're trick right. him. Just go freaking execute. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, did not agree with. I, I'm with you. I, I thought this. I, I think. By the way, let's be clear. Nick Sirianni and his staff have done a phenomenal job so far this year. They've been excellent in almost all. Phases, whether you want to talk about play calling, um, locker room management, player management, uh, game situation management, yeah. uh, all that stuff. They've been great, but this was, I agree with you, their, their, uh, their worst performance of the season and a very That's bad That's why it's one so that. frustrating because, like, you know, you expect much better than this. This is just like, I, I don't understand what you're thinking. It's one thing to, you know, you talk about process versus results. It's one thing, like, you're making sensible decisions and they're just not working out. That was not the case. They made so many decisions that were like set up for failure, and then they did fail. Not shocking. Uh, really frustrating. Uh, I, I will say, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw Bo Wolf tweet out that they exclusively ran out of 11 personnel, or at least a lot more so in the second half. So it seemed like they started to kind of realize, mm-hmm. okay, this is dumb. So they did make some adjustments. I'm not <laughs> like you know out on the coaching staff by any means. I do think um, it's fair to wonder 
uh, if they maybe if their brains maybe got scrambled a little bit with how much this game clearly meant to Nick Sirianni from the Frank Reich perspective. Was he like trying to do a little too much or was his head not in it like he usually is? I don't know. I don't really have a good explanation. Uh, I just do think, you know, they they from a, a, a general standpoint and it hasn't bit them in a big way. Um, but there are times there have been times throughout these games where, again, too cute. Um, trying to force things like let's get the ball to Kenneth Gainwell. No, let's not do that because you don't really need to get him involved. And they <laughs> yeah. have scaled back on that and they have adjusted for the macro, uh, the the big picture here. But there's just still some annoying little things. And there were a lot of annoying little things in this game. Um, should probably talk about Jalen Hurts, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was solid. Um, 18 to 25 for 190 touchdown, no interceptions. Um, added 86 yards on the ground. 16 carries, um, got the ball back with 437 left to play, and he was tasked with driving the offense 75 yards for a go-ahead score. And the first three play calls on this drive were passes. Uh, one was incomplete, one was a short completion to A.J. Brown, and then they got the shot play. Uh, down. It wasn't a shot play. Call. I don't know if it was a shot play called, but it was a off-schedule play where Hertz spotted Miles Sanders wide open down the field, left the ball well yeah. short of Miles, and Miles made a good play coming back for the ball and running through the defender who basically hit him uh, as he was trying to make a play on the ball. It wound up being like a 40-yard uh, pass interference call. Um, and that put him in good position to you know potentially take the lead. From there on out, they called nine straight runs. <laughs> which was kind of interesting. The three of three of them were the aforementioned, you know, runs to Boston Scott, but they called nine straight runs, uh, eventually did get into the end zone. So it was effective. They did ultimately score and win the game, but it was kind of mm-hmm. interesting at least that they, I don't know if, I don't know if it's, if it's just a matter of they were taking what the Colts were giving them and they felt that they could run based on the looks that the, that they were getting from the Colts defensively. Uh, or is it more big picture than that? Did they trust uh, Jalen Hurts and his legs uh, more than they trusted his arm? And I don't mean this to sound like a criticism of of Jalen Hurts to you know an extreme degree, but because there only so many teams could actually execute this style yeah. of play to win a game with the quarterback that they have. Like, like most teams in the league could never play this way with mm-hmm. their quarterback, whereas the Eagles can. And it was effective. Again, they won the game um, partly because John Hurts <laughs> won the game with his legs. So he's capable of doing it. At the same time, it is interesting, at least, that they went nine straight plays without throwing the ball. Uh, and, and, and in the red zone, um, you know, they ha- certainly have the weapons uh, to do that with with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Um of course, they're missing Dallas Goddard, so maybe that that factors in as well. Why they didn't, you know, put the ball in the air? Maybe he's your primary target down there normally, uh, and without him, you know, you're gonna be play a little bit more conservative, maybe. But what, what was your sort of takeaway on that drive? And you know, their their nine straight yeah, runs. It isn't entirely true too that like they were just trying to kill clock because they were snapping the ball with some of these uh, on some of these plays with like 20 seconds left on the clock or like they're like. Mm-hmm. they're not taking it down to, to two or one uh so you can't just right. say like well they were doing this just to yeah, ben solak yeah. did a good job of uh right. documenting what when they snapped like for example after sorry to cut you off but after the two minute warning they ran a run play and yep. that took like you know the run play itself was like six seven seconds something yeah, like and that they ran a play before and the uh, they snapped warning. it with 
They snapped it at 134 on the ensuing play when they could have run it all the way down to mm-hmm. 114. So if they were really trying to right. take time off the clock, then they would have taken yeah. all the way down so to you 114. You can't just see that. Um, I do think Ben's tweet about Jalen Hurts after the game was interesting. If you didn't see it, it kind of was, you know, to what we were talking or what you were talking about there. That was a little too negative, to be honest, uh, on Jalen Hurts. I think he, you know, deserves credit for making those plays with his legs on that drive. That's, you know, pretty invaluable. Yep. I also think there's something to his temperament that is absolutely real, um, that you trust him to come through in a big spot. It's not like, Sorry, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, who you're like waiting for the bad thing to happen or waiting for him to crumble. Yeah, um, that's definitely real to me. And I think that resonates with the players as well and kind of, you know, works towards them, like believing in themselves as a team. It's like, oh, we, you know, this dude, he's going to come through for us. Like, we're, we're good. We're, we don't have to panic. We're in a good spot. Um, that has value. At the same time, I think like it's not unfair to bring up that he didn't throw the ball a lot. And you you can't help but wonder, OK, what does this look like if you know, they're down 50 seconds or, you know, they're down and they they don't have as much time and they basically have to throw in that spot. We've still kind of mm-hmm. yet to see that. So I think it's fair to wonder uh, exactly what that looks like, um, you know, but I'm not going to crush them for it because, you know, I, I know it's important to evaluate process for sure. I'm very much process over just pure results, but the results are pretty big and they, and they ultimately got the touchdown and he played uh, a role yeah. in that. So, you know, it's not, I don't think it's an A plus drive from him, um, but he certainly did enough. It's, I don't know how you want to grade it. Maybe it's like a B minus drive, whatever it is. They, they got the win. He came through when it mattered. And, uh, you know, uh, I think I'm, you'll take it. I'm satisfied with it. Yeah. I mean, his, his poise for a third year player is impressive. And, you know, maybe he's not so much a third year player, your typical third year player, because he played in so many huge games, uh, at Alabama and Oklahoma. So, uh, he has that big game experience and those kinds of moments, you know, playing in a in a regular season game against the Indianapolis Colts and you got to go down and score to win. Maybe that maybe not that big of a deal to him in comparison to some other quarterbacks in the league with his kind of experience uh, in the NFL. So, yeah, his poise is, is good. And I think, um, you know, as you mentioned, I think his teammates uh, sort of believe in him, whereas they might not believe in other quarterbacks uh, in, in the past or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think there's more good to take away from that right. drive than there is. Um, I mean, not even bad, but uh, just mm-hmm. what if, like, what if they did have to, uh, the, the good is it outweighs the what if, uh, in my opinion there. Um, and ultimately, as you said, the, the, the results are that mm-hmm. they won the game. So, uh, you know, there, there, there's only so much nitpicking you can do uh, when, when ultimately the result is you walk out of the, you know, you, you leave a, a, a short rest road game uh, with a W in the same. Let's flip it over to the defense where. Well, hold on. I have a couple, a couple okay. more small things on the offense. Um, they miss Goddard badly. Like yeah. the, the drop off from him to the trio of Stoll, uh, Tyree Jackson, and, and Calcaterra is very notable. One target for those three guys combined. They each had their. They each had a penalty mm-hmm. uh, individually. Two of them were, were. I mean, the Tyree Jackson penalty was nonsense. That shouldn't have been a penalty. The Calcaterra penalty was a bad one that killed yeah. a drive. And I think Stoll had a penalty on on special teams, not in the regular offense. Quez Watkins. Um, they've gone to him more over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He had four catches. Uh, against the commanders, which of course one of those ended in the in a fumble that may have cost them the game. Uh, in this game, he had two catches. One one was a touchdown. Of course, there looked to be like a play um, on the strip sack by Yannick Ngakwe, where he was open down the field, and that's where Hertz was going. He he might have had another big play. Uh, had I don't know what happened on that play. Whether it was 
uh, a blocking assignment failure by Jordan Mailata, or if that was the scheme of the play where <laughs> Miles Sanders basically end up one-on-one against Yannick Ngakwe. You certainly don't want that, I don't think. Uh, but Quez was open deep down the field on that. And then one more thing on A.J. Brown, who was on the injury report heading into this game with the foot injury. I don't know if he's 100% um, yeah. at this point. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do next Sunday night uh, against the Packers because he he didn't look he doesn't look as explosive um, as he had when he was really just tearing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically like a month ago or so. His last few his last three games, I think he is fifty nine seven yeah yards and fifty nine seven and sixty. I think are his last three games. Uh, so he hasn't been as productive since he hurt his foot. Um, again, that's. I think it's just something to watch going forward. Yeah, they need him to step up, especially with Goddard out. Like that needs to be. You know, he yep. needs. He needs to have some bigger games here. He had the fumble here, which was. You know, I can't crush him for in the sense that like he's going to be a guy who wants to make you know plays after the catch, and he certainly can do that. And I think you'll take the risk of the fumble. He hasn't fumbled by the way since 2020, so it's not like this is a you know common right. issue for him. I don't really think it's going to be a long term thing as much as it's just bad timing um shout out to quiz by the way for the redemption um you know ran a nice route caught the touchdown uh late in the game um so the eagles first touchdown of the day so you know nice nice job by him uh Brandon graham yep. also got some redemption with the uh sack to force the fourth down at the end of the game so kind of a nice job for them after that washington loss um last thing i have in offense was thought this was kind of a frustrating Miles Sanders performance in some ways where I thought there were yards left on the field, which has mm-hmm. been an issue with him, specifically when he caught that pass and I tweeted out the screenshot. He had like one, there was like a ton of open field and like one defender in front of him and he gets one yard out of that. It's like, come on, bro. Like you're, you're in a contract year. You're trying to like prove like you deserve like, you know, this big deal. You're trying to, uh, you know, like reestablish yourself as a pass catcher. Not really, but like he's been so bad. He's declined every single year since his rookie season in that regard. Like it's just like I thought that was so pathetic. Um and the Eagles end up, I think, having to punt on that drive too. Um but flipping it to the defense, uh Jonathan Gannon looked like a another frustrating game was on the way from him <laughs> after the Colts open with ten plays, seventy five yards. What is it? Seventy six yards, seventy five yards. Um five minutes, twenty three seconds off the clock. It's like here we go again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna follow Jonathan Taylor, script. 7 for 49 and a touchdown on that drive. Yep. Can't stop the run, even though Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph are in the game. Uh, but after that, credit to Jonathan Gannon and the defense for tightening up. Um, they allowed nine points the rest of the way, and two of those were directly off of turnovers by the Eagles, giving the Colts you know good field position to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colts don't have a very good offense, so it's not like, you know, they're shutting down this juggernaut unit by any means, but, right. uh, cause, and RJ tried to make this point in the mixtape. He's like, the Eagles don't deserve credit for shutting down this bad Colts <laughs> team. And I'm like, okay, well, how about literally everyone being like, the Eagles can't stop the run. How are they possibly going to stop Jonathan Taylor? And they pretty much did after the first drive. Uh, so I do give them credit for that. I love uh I do I do that all the time too. A point I don't agree with. They get like the 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 douchebag voice. <laughs> uh yeah. So um Linval Joseph, by the way, wasn't on the field on the two bigger runs that uh Taylor had on that drive. He was on the field on the touchdown run, but he actually did his job on that touchdown run. Linval Joseph was was awesome in mm-hmm. that game. Like, you can't move him on double teams. And if you block if you single block him, he's gonna beat that block typically. And um 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, I was very surprised with the way that he played after not being on a team until four days or four days before the game anyway. Uh, and he was able to get himself in game shape to play, and he played really well. I think Sue was was decent as well, uh, but Joseph was really the standout of those two guys in that game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, after that first drive, carried the ball 15 more times the rest of the game, 35 yards. So they did a really nice job against the run uh, after that initial drive when, as you said, it looked like, uh-oh, it's going to be another long day here. Um, and then their pass defense was good as always. Uh, they didn't force any turnovers, but what they were able to do was get two huge clutch sacks. The Brandon Graham one that you mentioned earlier on uh, third down, which basically turned it into like a fourth and very long. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, and then they had that little dump down that <laughs> I don't know what the, the Colts were thinking on that fourth down play, uh, but that ended the game. But the the bigger sack, in my opinion, was really the the big the series that the Colts had. They get the long pass play to Paris Campbell down to the five well, this yard is line. Right after the the AJ Brown fumble, which was came right yes. after the Marcus Epps. So it's like, oh, Marcus Epps fumble. Eagles are going to get right back in this game, and then nope. <laughs> yeah, AJ Brown fumbles, and the 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 Eagles are on the ropes because yeah. the Colts have first and goal from the five. Um, they get a stop on first on first down on a run again. Linval Joseph had had something to do with that. You uh, drew a double team, and everyone else cleaned up. Second down, I believe Matt Ryan threw it through the back of the end zone. There was yep. just nothing open. It was good coverage. And then on third down, they get the huge sack by uh, Hassan Reddick. Could have been called for a face mask on that. So I guess the Eagles were owed one from the uh, well, from the Commanders game. I do want to make the distinction <laughs> that like that had nothing to do with the takedown. Like he was already like Matt Ryan was yeah. already like being taken down to the ground legally. Not to say like the refs would have been wrong. Like it's a letter of the law penalty, but just like. Yeah. Very different than the Dallas Goddard one, where Goddard was literally brought down by the face mask, and like it was a much more dangerous play that actually obviously hurt him and was mm-hmm. like and should have been more apparent. And like that was in the middle of the field, there's a back judge looking right at him. This one I thought was a little more subtle. Uh, again, I th- guess can still call a penalty, but I thought it was much less egregious. I think that needs to be pointed out. But yeah, they had a good, they they had a good day. They earned the right to rush the passer by stopping the run, and they didn't do that against the commanders. Like no. the commanders just kept staying on schedule, mm-hmm. and they didn't get into obvious passing downs. Whereas the the Eagles' defense got the Colts into obvious passing downs, and when they did, they were able to get home. Um, and again, most mo- most notably with the uh, Hassan Reddick sack and the Brandon Graham sack, Sue and Joseph combined for a sack. Uh, I think Milton Williams had the other one, so they had four sacks on the yep. day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good performance. I thought across the board, really from the defensive line after they had two, um, you know, pretty shaky performances against the commanders and Texans and credit Howie Roseman for, Hmm. you know, going out and, and signing Sue and, and Linval Joseph, like not every GM would do that. They just wait for Jordan Davis to get back and, Mm -hmm. and they, so, you know, we'll, we'll be fine until then he went out and he was aggressive and, he got two guys that help out in two major ways. One, against the run in the short term while Davis is out. And B, they, they, they got to give, give uh, uh, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox more rest. Uh, you can't have Fletcher Cox playing 70 snaps and Javon Hargrave playing 66 snaps. Obviously, that was a weird game against the Commanders, but they can't be playing anywhere near the level of, of snaps that they did in that game. Regardless of the number of total snaps they played, they're playing like 80, like over 80% of the snaps, and you can't have that in any game. So I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the two signings there, um, you know, really helped out the defense uh, on that day. And, and yeah. 
I mean, Howie Roseman just continues to have like a very, very, very good year. Yeah, and I and I think that those signings kind of speak to the point I've been saying recently that you could probably you might be able to give more credit for the defensive improvement to one mm, Howie yep. Roseman than Jonathan Gannon. Um, sure, doesn't really work in Gannon's favor, but um, the results do, and I think those guys, you know, in theory, they might be even better, more impactful moving forward, just because they'll have more time to kind of, you know, get adjusted and back into playing shape and everything. Same time, they also have more wear and tear. So some of that cancels out. Um, but for the having basically like no practice time last week, you know, they, they did pretty well uh, in their first game. Uh, Fletcher Cox, really quick. Uh, I just anecdotally, I feel like teams are just like <laughs> running right at him. Like they're not scared of him at all. They're running right at him and he's getting way too often. He's just getting pushed around out there. You just see it. Like you just see him such like a non-factor, just being moved. Uh, so that's still concerning to me. And he's up to I think it's seven games now, uh, where he has zero sacks, one tackle for loss, and two quarterback hits. That's in his last seven games. Like that is not good. He d- he did draw a holding penalty in this game, uh, so that's good. But um, still, still not feeling great about him. And yes, I agree with you. Like I would like to see him on the field less. And I don't know if I said this last week, but, you know, and, and this, I guess this is pretty obvious, but to me, you know, the Linval Joseph signing is about Jordan Davis being gone. But to me, the Sue signing is about like Cox kind of, you know, not being that could be. it, it anymore. So I, I would like to see if Cox is going to continue to not produce, I would like to see his playing time go down and then Sue's kind of go up a bit. Cause I think uh, they, they should, it should be getting closer until um, uh, results dictate otherwise. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, how they, form their rotation when Davis comes back too. Sure. Um, because now when he comes back, now you have two guys that are like 340 pounds that mm-hmm. basically serve the same kind of, I, Davis can do more than Linval Joseph, or at least you hope he can. Mm-hmm. That's what you drafted him to be. You didn't just draft him to be a Linval Joseph, uh, a guy that's just going to, you know, squat and like right in front of the center in the middle of the line and, and clog up the run game. That is going to be a big part of his game, but they also want him uh, to develop as a pass rusher as well. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they sort of split time and if they play on the field together uh, at the same time uh, in, in games when, when he comes back. So yeah, very in- intriguing, uh, deep, talented uh, defensive line that the Eagles have here. And one other guy that I'll mention too, just so I had put together sort of a, a not necessarily a highlight reel, but a um, just sort of showed what Linval Joseph was able to do uh, against the run uh, against the Colts. And the guy that stood out just sort of um, um, it, it, I, I wasn't specifically watching him, but he stood out as TJ Edwards. Yep. It's just, it's just such a physical tough player. I love that guy. Like that, that guy, he doesn't, he does not blessed with, you know, great athleticism. I actually think he looks more athletic this year than he has in the past. Okay. I think he's actually improved. And so I think it's, he's faster now than he was in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but that guy is all over the field and he makes plays both in the run game and in the past play in the past game. And his instincts are just off the charts. He knows where the ball is going uh, and he, and he gets there um, very, very consistently. He's four tackles short of a hundred already wow. uh, in, in only week 11. So um, yeah, just a little hat tip to him in this game. He was a big part of the Eagles success in the run game as well. Yeah. I remember two plays specifically, I believe they're kind of screens or like swing passes where he just had it read the entire time and then just made great open field tackles for, mm-hmm. for loss on both occasions. So yeah, yeah. big one was like five or six yard loss yep. uh, out on the edge on a screen. Those yeah. are huge plays. Huge play. 
I also believe if I am remembering correctly, I was looking at pro football focuses metrics from the game and I don't think he missed a tackle too. So it was a really efficient day, you know, making a lot of tackles, not missing any. So yeah, uh, some love for him for sure. Uh, Marcus Epps, I think deserves more credit than he probably gets because like that turnover was huge. I mean, it's not his fault. The Hawkins turned it right back over like that. I could have swung the game right there. um, And Eagles could have put this way more comfortably uh, if they capitalize on that. So I wanted to shout him out. As well, Milton Williams, you mentioned, I thought he had a, you know, his probably his best game in a while as well. Yeah, flashed um, a little bit. Yep. So uh, I think that's all I had. Re- also, Reed Blankenship, want to give him a shout out because he has overtaken <laughs> Kayvon Wallace in the, uh, the, the big, the dime defense. Uh, so really excited about that. I had that. somebody get on my case about that, by the way. I noted it, it was like the last sentence of the, of, mm-hmm. it was one sentence in my snap count article. Which, like, you know, it just said, oh, it's interesting to me that he played two snaps and those are the snaps that normally go to Kayvon Wallace. Yep. And somebody really got on me like, oh, that's interesting. Really? His two snaps are interesting? Well, yeah, they kind of are. I think he's so. like, that might mean that he's the number three safety now. Yeah. All right. If one of the, if, if Epps or Chauncey Gardner Johnson gets hurt, yep. is he now the guy that's starting? Could be. It should be. I've been saying he should be. He, he looked good. Uh, all right, let's take a break here, but not before we hear really quickly about Righteous Felon Crafter. Can you go to RighteousFelon.com? You know, it's Thanksgiving. You're going to have a lot of leftovers. Uh, that's fine. But you're also going to do some shopping soon, you know, because we have Black Friday coming up here. And uh, what better gift to get someone than the gift of Righteous Felon Craft Jerky? Amazing stocking stuffer, right, Jimmy? Like, that's like the perfect fit. Absolutely. So, you know, why not get ready for the holiday season by getting some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky? Go to RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15, BGN15 for 15% off your order. You help support a local business. You help support your favorite Eagles podcast. Um, You help support yourself with a great snack in your life. RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off the same snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles munch on. Actually, on the stocking stuffer point, the uh, the meat sticks, yeah, like the uh, those the are the ones that I think yeah. are like, the tubes. Those those are like the good that they fit nicely in the, the absolutely. Of the and so much better than the popular uh, competitor that you might think of when you think of that kind of product. Like seriously, <laughs> though, way better. Yeah, for sure. All right, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more. And get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, where we are going to shift from the Eagles-Colts game 
which the Eagles did win. It was ugly, but they're nine and one. They won. <laughs> we were very more negative than positive, I think, in that first segment, but deservedly so. They didn't play that well. They didn't live up to expectation. They didn't uh, cover the spread, uh, but they won. And they're nine and one. Yeah. And literally every single time they have started nine and one in franchise history, they have gone to the title game that year, five different times. Okay. They, they went to the NFL championship game twice, and then they went to the Super Bowl three times. So for as much as you might want to like poke holes at this team, whatever, it, and I'm not saying it means it's going to happen again, but like the perspective of they're in a really good spot. Um, we'll see if they can continue to look good and maybe really kind of, you know, actually have a more, uh, a game characteristic more of the team they were earlier this year against the Green Bay Packers, who I feel like Jimmy are not a very good football team. Right. Yeah. I mean, you look at the way they played, you look at the way that Aaron Rodgers specifically has played this year and he's not anything close to the Aaron Rodgers that we have come to know over the past decade plus um, just missing wide open receivers mm-hmm. throws that he makes in his sleep. Uh, just missing wide open guys and um, body language sucks on the field. And um, he, he's got an injury. So his hand is banged up. Yep. He there's, there's speculation that maybe his thumb is broken. Mm. Um, and that would explain <laughs> quite, quite a bit about his play this season. And um, he's playing with young receivers. Romeo Dobbs is hurt, but he was a, a rookie receiver that was um, that, that was producing to some degree earlier, earlier this year. Christian Watson, their second round draft pick, has come on of late. He actually has five touchdown receptions in the last two games. He's three in the Cowboys uh, but, game. But through the, his first six games, he's played in eight games this, this season. In his first six games, I think he had, off the top of my head, I believe it was 14 catches for 88 yards mm. and a boatload of drops. Like the first play of their season was a bomb to <laughs> Christian Watson, and it was gonna it was gonna go for a score, and he dropped it against the Vikings. Um, and I guess it took him a little while to recover from that. Uh, but he's been the man the last couple of weeks. But, um, you know, just getting back to the point here, like th- those rookie receivers were a major drop off from the departed Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. who the Packers traded to the Raiders in, I think, a trade that was kind of bad for both teams. <laughs> the Raiders could use those draft picks now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Packers c- certainly could have used Devontae Adams this year. Um, so, yeah, it's just been a struggle for the Packers this year on both sides of the ball. Their offensive line has had six different uh, starting combinations, and they've kind of moved guys like all over the line. They've had some bad play uh, on the interior. They have uh, David Bakhtiari and Elgton Jenkins, their two starting tackles, who would normally be their starting tackles anyway. Um, they both suffered major injuries. Bakhtiari's been, missed a ton of time over the last few years. Uh, I think it was an ACL tear and uh, Elgton Jenkins also recovering from uh, an ACL tear. They're both back in the lineup. Jenkins actually moved from right tackle to left guard because, again, they were getting bad interior line play. Uh, He has the versatility to do that. And they have a guy named Yosh, I believe. Um, Not Yosh. Nijman? Yash or Yosh Nijman. I don't know how you pronounce that, but that's what it looks like on paper. Um, athletic guy at right tackle, undrafted player in 2019 out of Virginia Tech. I think he's the interesting guy that uh, the Eagles will look to uh, take advantage of on Sunday, perhaps with Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick. Uh, defensively, they've been bad against the run. Uh, they've had some injuries on that side of the ball. Rashawn Gary, their best pass rusher, is done for the season. 
Eric Stokes, uh, one of their starting cornerbacks, may return at some point this season, but it's probably more likely that he's done for the season. He definitely won't play on, on Sunday night against the Eagles. They've had to kind of adjust uh, in their secondary. Their safety, Darnell Savage, is now basically playing slot corner. And old friend Rudy Ford mm. is starting at safety. Uh, for them now in place of Savage, who again moved to the slot. He had two picks against the against uh, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. It was interesting to see that. Well, those uh, yeah, it's Dak's a team fault, that, yeah, for sure. I mean, he threw it right to no. uh, Rudy. Yeah. But this is a team that they win like 13 games every year, the Packers. And this year, what are they, four and seven four uh, and heading seven. into this matchup? So it's a team that um, I already kind of killed off in my my mm-hmm. weekly like hierarchy thing. Um, and uh, yeah, they're just not they're just not anything close to the team that they once were. Four and seven and not impressive. I mean, that sounds obvious for losing. Yeah, a team. not un- not an unlucky four and seven. But yeah, like so, okay, so I ran through their win losses so for, on the mixtape. So forgive me if you're hearing this again. But first game, uh, they win. They beat the Bears in week two by seventeen points. Okay, cool. They always own mm-hmm. the Bears. Justin Fields sucks, as you will even admit, um, <laughs> or, or at the very least, was very bad earlier in the year. It was bad earlier in the year, for sure. Uh, then they beat the Bucks in week three. This is their only road win of the season. They won by two mm-hmm. points. It was 14-12. Wow. What a like, scintillating uh, offense. Uh, then they beat the, the Patriots, who are using Brian Hoyer and Bailey Zappi, making his first uh, NFL playing time ever, his, his debut in week four. I was at home in Green Bay, and they only won by three points in overtime against that combo. Yeah. Like, that's... That's a that's a feel bad win. Like that's not a good mm-hmm. feeling after that win. And then they beat the Cowboys, but they they, they got outplayed in that game. They were trailing twenty eight to fourteen in entering the fourth quarter. And honestly, just like another team like the Bears that Aaron Rodgers just kind of owns. Um, so like their the resume is not impressive. Uh, just lost to the Titans, obviously on Thursday night. Uh, you, you talk about Devontae Adams. He was averaging ninety seven point six yards per game. Uh, with them in his last two years in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Their new top receiver is Alan Lazard, who's averaging 58.8 yards per game. So, like, their leading receiver now is averaging 40 fewer yards per game. Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's a big deal. It is kind of funny how, uh, like, the perception of Aaron Rodgers, and not, like, I'm not saying this isn't accurate, but that he's struggling in a big way. He's still 11th among NFL quarterbacks in passer rating. But for him... Uh, it's the second lowest of his career as a full-time starter. Yeah. So certainly, you know, much not the same player he usually is. Uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I think that it's a nice Aaron Jones specifically as For a guy. Sure. Aaron can, Jones is awesome. Yeah, who can yeah. Uh, not only run the ball well, but also a weapon as a pass catcher, certainly something to keep an eye on. And A.J. Dillon, more of a physical runner, uh, will test the Eagles' run defense that was better, certainly against the Colts, but still we'll see, you mm-hmm. know. Um, if the Packers can take advantage of that. Uh, so so that's the offense. Anything else on the offense? Yeah, so um, Jones and Dylan are a really good one-two punch. The, the notable thing about their receivers is they're both big. So Lazard is 6'5", 227. Mm-hmm. He was you know sort of a quasi-like uh, wide receiver tight end that they kind of converted into a big slot, and now he's playing more on the outside. Uh, Watson is 6'4", 208, I think. Um, has outstanding athletic. He's like a crazy, like height, weight, speed guy. Um, cause he's got, he's got very good speed and, and athleticism as well. He's a deep threat as is Lazard sort of, maybe not necessarily a speed guy, but he has 10 receptions of 20 plus yards this year. Um, so he's a downfield threat ma- mainly with his size more so than his breakaway speed or anything like that. But the concern that I would have with either of those two guys, uh, and Randall Cobb, you can throw in here as well, who is their slot receiver. The Eagles have gotten 
uh, attacked uh, in the slot mm-hmm. with Avante Maddox out and Josiah Scott in there. The Commanders attacked it with Terry McLaurin. Um, the Colts attacked it both with uh, Paris Campbell and with Michael Pittman mm-hmm. uh, in that game. Josiah Scott has struggled these last two games sure. with, with Maddox out. And certainly the Packers are going to see that on tape and they're going to line up Lazard in the slot and they're going to see if they can take advantage of Josiah Scott. It'll be interesting to see how Jonathan Gannon adjusts to that. Do they have uh, Slay and uh, Bradbury trail those guys no matter where they go? Uh, I think Bradbury is a, is a, it makes sense matching up with uh, Lazard. And I think Slay makes sense matching up with the more athletic Watson. Um, and perhaps you have Josiah, um, you know, kind of trail uh, Randall Cobb wherever he goes more, you know, obviously all that's easier said than done because you have to disguise man versus zone and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 the bottom line here is, um, Josiah Scott has struggled and, uh, certain, you see butters in the background yeah, there, by the way, distracted wants, by Jimmy's cat, uh, walking <laughs> up to his door and waiting to leave the room. He wants, he wants out. He was, he was taking a nap in here and now he woke up and he's like, I want, I want to, I want to go look for food. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Eagles have to be wary that the Packers are going to look to attack Josiah Scott in the middle of the field. Uh, I will say the proposition of Aaron Rodgers going up against Jonathan Gannon's defense, specifically what we saw, you know, top quarterbacks do against the Eagles defense last year is certainly not um, comforting, but I do think that uh, the way Gannon wants to play ideally, which is, you know, force teams to go on these long drives and they're eventually going to make a mistake might actually work in this case where Aaron Rodgers, as you said, is kind of just missing throws at times and you're kind of betting against these receivers. These receivers are going to drop a pass or not make a play at times. And I like, I actually, uh, you know, the slot is a concern for sure with Josiah Scott, who I think, you know, has struggled, but has also performed reasonably well relative to expectation. Sure. You know, I think he's like done fine relative to what you can really expect him to do. Uh, but I, I like, you know, Slay, who has struggled a little bit recently, or at least hasn't been in top form recently. I do like the matchup. I, I feel confident in Slay and Bradbury being able to kind of, you know, shut those guys down for the most part. Why don't we flip to the Packers as Butters reaches up for the door. <laughs> and tries to open the door. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Actually, one more thing. They're, they, they, do, they do a bad job of stopping the run. Uh, the Packers do. Uh, rushing yards per game is uh, – I had it here. I don't know what's going on here. Um, they're, they're very anyway, mediocre they're, they're, in a lot of defensive metrics. They're 20th, they're 20th or worse yeah. in rushing yards per game. Butters has rushing been let first out, downs per game. <laughs> I just texted Kristen Rocha, Roach Realtors to open the door and let him out. Uh, so that's what happened there. <laughs> but they're 20th or worse in rushing yards per game, rushing first downs per game. Yards per attempt and percentage of rushing percentage of rushes that result in first downs. They they're you know, sort of either bottom third or bottom quarter of the league in all those categories. So you can run on this team, and uh, certainly the Eagles are good at that. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine you'll see uh, you know a heavy dose of the run in this game as well. Low rushing quarterback yardage total from what I noticed from this year. They have not been really burned by mobile. Although I guess they haven't necessarily. I mean, they played. Yeah, I'm fields, trying to think of so. going through the 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 schedule like you did before his fields, and I think that's. Although he wasn't really running as much earlier in the year as he is yeah. now, and got hurt. By the way, Let's see how that holds up. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean the defense is mediocre by a lot of metrics. Basically, any kind of metric, they're not great, but they're not like you know, bottom of the league. They're not like one of the worst defenses by any means. They have some talent. They have some things going for them. Uh, it should be enough that a struggling Eagles offense should be able to not be as bad as they've been. I feel like in, in rebound, especially playing at home. Um, yeah. I think it's an opportunity for AJ Brown 
to go if he's if he's better like if he if he doesn't have uh, any foot injuries anymore he can bully savage who's small he's like five ten and three quarters in the slot and he can run away from Razul Douglas on the outside. Oh yeah. Uh, so if they can if they can get matchups against either of those two guys with AJ Brown, I think they can take advantage of them. Oh yeah. We you know Razul can make plays for sure on the ball, no doubt. But he can also give up some very big plays. Yes. Uh, live by the sword, die by the sword. Devonte Smith didn't talk about him at all in the Colts recap part. Leading receiver uh, for the Eagles mm-hmm. and like was really like for a while there the only thing that was working for them it was like the comebacks to Devontae Smith were kind of the bread and butter for the offense certainly he will take more of a load with Dallas Goddard being out so uh so him as well kind of just I I don't even know if it's I think AJ Brown might have to be more of a you know like make the dynamic play guy but I think you know uh Devontae's kind of taking up the role as like move the chains be that reliable player kind of um part of the offense and when all things when all else fails kind of go to him kind of guy uh so, yeah, I, I feel like the offense, you know, it's it's really important, not just for this game, but for the outlook of the season, that this offense gets back in a rhythm, gets back on track. They don't need to put up 40, but they need to not look so anemic like they have been recently. Special teams are, I think they're 28th or 29th in special teams DVOA. Somehow the Eagles I saw uh, in uh, the ESPN power rankings mm-hmm. – that they're 20th, 22nd, I think, in DVOA special teams, which I was looking at that. I was like, wait, how, how are so there 10 high. teams? How are 10 teams worse than them on special teams? Uh, but this is another bad team. Uh, but this is another bad special teams team uh, that they're facing in, in the Packers. So I don't think there's any notable advantage that uh, Green Bay has on, on that front. All right. Anything else in the matchup? Um, yeah, I think coaching wise, uh, yeah, I don't have anything there. <laughs> I mean, but he's, uh, LaFleur's had a rough year. Yeah. I think, um, it's hard to separate him from the quarterback because the quarterback has been so good the past two years that, you know, you look at all these wins and it's like, wow, Matt LaFleur, the Packers record under him really good. Sure. But <laughs> yes. I mean, when you have the back-to-back MVP, kind of a big advantage <laughs> for sure uh I, I know he has been he has turtled up in some big moments in the playoffs before like when the packers have had uh, you think about two years ago i think it was now where you know they had a chance to go for it uh in the red zone they kicked oh, the field goal right. or whatever yep. like you know so uh, and he comes from that sean mcveigh cowardice coaching tree by yep. the way totally tangent here i don't think the rams are getting enough crap for being like the most pathetic super bowl <laughs> defense team ever and I think part of yeah. Sean McVay's like, you know, golden boy can do no wrong thing is part of that. And obviously you win the Super Bowl, you get a level of like, okay, we don't care. We just won the Super Bowl. But still, it's like the worst defense ever. It's the worst Super Bowl defense ever. Anyway. Um, well, I mean, the Eagles. So you look at the 2018 Eagles. Yeah. They were, they finished what, nine and seven, I think that year. And they had to win their last four games to get in the playoffs. So they were five and seven at one point mm-hmm. that year. And they were getting torn oh, the yeah. hell apart yep. locally. Uh, and the Rams do not have not gotten nope. that same treatment. I mean, they don't really have fans. That's like, the there's, there's, you know what I mean? Like, you go to LA and like they have to do a silent count at home mm-hmm. uh, at their games, which is crazy. Even for a Super Bowl contender, that's just out of control that, that they can't get fans to come out to, to, to watch them play, uh, even though they're coming off a Super Bowl win. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a team that, uh, I mean, they've, they've just been absolutely 
horrid this season. Mm-hmm. They're, they have the worst point differential in the NFC. I think it's minus 59. Uh, they're done. Like they, they are more than cooked. If the season ended right now, I think their draft pick, which they don't even have anymore because they <laughs> traded it for Matthew Stafford, is that like fourth right now, I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, where's the Eagles pick? Is that 10th uh, right Eagles now? Eagles dropped down the 10th with the Saints beating the Rams, which I thought was a lock. Um, and the and we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that. We're on a tangent now. Yeah. But, um, so no final thoughts on the matchup. Or you did give your final thoughts on the matchup. So why don't we take another I break did, yes. here before we get into our picks. Um, but before we do that, I got to meet Kristen Roach of Roach Leaders last week, Jimmy, because you were kind <laughs> enough to let me record the SB Nation NFL show, which everyone should check out, by the way. Um, uh, in the current office that you record in, which is kind of a fun perspective to see where you get to uh, make the magic happen there. And That's right. uh, yeah, so I got to meet her and she was very pleasant and lovely and nice and kind. <laughs> she offered me uh, a glass of water um, as I was leaving the house. <laughs> you said that uh she would make me her famous grilled cheese if if i if, right. if i wanted to i i declined politely i had you know I had to get back uh to my place um but kristen roach of roach realtors she's definitely great yeah i mean there's a reason that she's voted by god as the best realtor in the history of the universe but yeah so if you're looking to buy or sell a house you can text or call her at 856-906-9295 again that's 856-906-9295 brandon back after this Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, 856-906-9295. Nine two. We're back here on BGN Radio, and it's time to make some NFL picks against the spread. Uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy, you went four and one last week. Oh, I also oh, went four we and one last week. We oh. only differed on the Cowboys and Eagles games. Uh, you foolishly okay. took the Vikings with the points. Bad call. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I got the Eagles not covering wrong, obviously. Right. So you I are, knew that game was going to be a struggle, dude. You're right. Um, 23 and 19 is my record against the spread. You're up to 500 at 21 and 21. Uh, I am 8 and 2 straight up picking the Eagles, and so are you. You're also 8 and 2. Yeah. Um, I should mention, before we get into the actual picks against the spread, every week this season, we'll be cooking up our own parlay that our good friends at DraftKings will put right on their homepage with a BGN logo and a, I think like a bleeding green, um, you know, like a little, like a text that says bleeding green on there. For all of you, the loyal BGN radio slash BGN readers uh, to follow. And we will come out with our same game parlay this week. Uh, it'll be posted on the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter account at Bleeding Green. So you can see it there. I don't know exactly what i'm gonna go with yet but i'll probably do like maybe like eagles money line and you know uh i don't know what what do you think would be a good one like an aj brown over or something mm. or maybe a miles sanders over if you think their run defense isn't any good i think the solid bet is to always go with like the theme 
like uh like Devonte Smith's birthday, yes, or like Zach Pascal going to play. They tried to get Zach Pascal a touchdown in that game. By the way, it just they yeah. they couldn't get it to him. Uh, but Zach Pascal going against his former team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there are any connections with the Packers this week. Are there? Hmm. No, I don't think so. So there's nothing there. So we'll I do think it uh, I, I think it's an AJ Brown game. Okay, uh, you're betting on his foot being better, mm-hmm. but I think there are good matchups for him. Uh, like I said earlier, either in the slot or against Rizul on the outside. So maybe we'll do an over there. It'll again, it'll be at on the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter account at Bleeding Green, so you can check it out there. Each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Jimmy. We have four games to make picks for this week, and we will start with, uh, usually we start with the Saints before we get into all the NFC's games, but I want to start with the Giants and Cowboys because people are potentially listening to this uh, right. before the game, and we just want to get to it Chronologically, as as it makes sense. Uh, and I say that 55 minutes into a podcast, but uh, the Giants lost to the Lions, like I said they would. And they are now nine and a half point underdogs against the Dallas Cowboys, who had the most impressive win in NFL history last week against the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, the Viking, or excuse me, the uh, the Cowboys had three games last year that they won by four scores. Uh, they beat the Falcons forty three to three. Four score in one Washington. year ago. What's that? Nothing. Four score in one year ago, like four score in seven years ago, but four score in one year ago. Like you know the Gettysburg Address. I got it. I got it. Oh yeah, four score, four score game one year ago. Got it. <laughs> there we go. It was uh, worth it. They beat Washington fifty six to fourteen. And remember when they were celebrating, uh, like they had just won the Super Bowl in the meaningless Week eighteen game uh, against the Eagles. They won that game fifty one to twenty six. So those were the three games they won by four scores last year. You know what they did in the following week? They lost. After each of those three games, they lost. They lost 19 to 9 to the Chiefs. They lost 25 to 22 against a reeling Cardinals team uh late in that season. And then of course after they beat the Eagles and celebrated around the field like they just won the Super Bowl, they lost in the playoffs uh to the 49ers. So, um I don't think it's going to happen this time around cuz the Giants are just I mean, they're really banged up. They they're like extremely thin uh at wide receiver. They've lost four um you know, of their best wide receivers so far this year. And they've they've actually lost one every month. So Colin Johnson, tall receiver, who was actually getting a lot of their first-team reps in training camp tours, Achilles in August. Sterling Shepard tours uh, ACL in September. They traded Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs in October. And then, of course, this past week, they lost uh, Wandale Robinson for the season with a torn ACL. So they have basically nothing left mm-hmm. there. They're banged up in their secondary. Dory Jackson is hurt. They're banged up on their offensive line. They're just not a good team. And I bet this this Giants team, seven and three, yeah, started six and one. They are not going to make the playoffs. Mm. They're going to lose a lot of games down the stretch. And teams like Washington, uh, less of a chance of Atlanta catching them. But you look at like the wild card teams. You're going to have Dallas is going to be in uh, as a wild card if they can't catch the Eagles. Uh, the 49ers or Seahawks are going to get one of the wild cards. And then if I think Washington can. And will yeah. uh, catch the Giants for that final wild card. Um, <laughs> they're not going to make the playoffs after starting six and one, and I think they get smoked on Thanksgiving by the Dallas Cowboys. So give me the Cowboys. What is it? What are, I don't even know what the line nine is. What is it? Like it's like nine or something. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll lay the nine and a half. 
I am very foolishly going to take the points because uh, okay. I said – It's I, a lot of points. I know. Well, I made the prophecy prior to uh, last week that like – because RJ was like, oh, you should be rooting for the Vikings to beat the Cowboys. <laughs> no, no. The Cowboys winning help the Eagles give them – Yes. It's a two-game cushion for the number one seed. He's being so dumb yeah. about this. Um, and it's not like in a trolley way either. Like, he legitimately – believes whatever he believes well whatever he's a fool um so uh yeah i think it was absolutely a positive result that the cowboys uh were able to beat the vikings and give the eagles more cushion and part of the prophecy that i have foretold uh which included the eagles beating the colts and the giants losing to the lions is that the giants will now upset the cowboys on thanksgiving uh all of what you said very valid can't dispute that and it's kind of just going off of just pure vibes. I think there is something to the Cowboys potentially smelling themselves a little too much coming off, coming, uh, off that win. Uh, as you mentioned, that was a real thing for them last year. That might be sure. some kind of uh, like Mike McCarthy culture thing like that. He like they get a little too high after the wins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's not totally relevant. And specifically on Thanksgiving, it is a Thanksgiving holiday tradition where the Cowboys Go on Thanksgiving in front of a national audience and blow it. They did it last year. They've had some bad ones. Yep, they've done it in the past. So, uh, and what, what happened? What did they do last year? Did they the Raiders? They, they lost year? to the Raiders in oh, overtime. I think right. it was some of the more they lost to the Bills. Deshaun Jackson uh, had the big touchdown. They lost to the Chargers at one point. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Chargers was a bad one. Lost they to got, the Eagles. They got their asses kicked by the Chargers. Was Mark Sanchez? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Shady threw up. They've the had X. some fun Thanksgiving losses for sure. So you know why not? Why? Wh- like, what kind of uh, Thanksgiving spirit would I have if not to predict uh, a Cowboys loss? Come on, the I'm... famous one back in the day was Leon Lett in the mm. snow, uh, a very weird That's snow right. game in Dallas against the Dolphins. Uh, against yeah. the uh, Dolphins, yeah. Because uh, Don Shula, yeah, I remember like seeing that old clip, and Jerry Jones is like celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man yeah it's a good clip if you've never seen that game you should look it up on youtube um but yeah i'll take the giants even though it might be irrational and it's just kind of an emotional decision but it, it would be so sweet it'd be an amazing it'd be amazing amazing gift for the eagles thanksgiving gift if the the giants can win that game and, and kind of mm-hmm. knock the cowboys down there um cause that, that'd be a really big deal um but I, I don't disagree with your point that, and also if the Giants, if they don't win this game, then yeah, they're probably, I, I think you're right. I think they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to collapse. I think it's possible they get swept by the commanders. They play the commanders twice in three weeks. It's like commanders by commanders, uh, which is a weird thing. Uh, but I will take the points in this matchup. Let me write that down here. So I have that recorded. One more thing on the Giants too, by the way, they are, they were at least in, I guess he the because of the game script, he didn't get as many carries uh against the Lions. But Saquon Barkley, they are wildly overusing. He was on pace for like a, a little under four hundred touches on the season uh, a week or two ago. And at some point he's gonna wear down this season because he's not that kind of he's not he's not Derrick Henry. He's a big um physical back and he's got explosiveness like crazy, but he is not the kind of guy that you want touching the ball almost 400 times in a season. And I think he's, he's, he's going to run out of gas at some point this season. And uh, against the lions, he had like what, like 15 carries for I think under 20 yards or something like that. Mm. Um, so maybe we're starting to see that already. Run defense is an issue for the Cowboys, by the way. So, you know, True. in theory, Saquon could have a big game and they also had a, they, yep. had, a, they had a tough time um, 
against Daniel Jones in that that first matchup. Like he he had a big game. I think he went like for over 80 yards in that game. So that's certainly okay. an area where they're not great in. Uh, if I'm trying to stretch and find a reason that they have a chance yeah. to, I think they can at least make it competitive. <laughs> I think they can. I think that's something that's different about this team. You know, I think, you know, so many Giants-Cowboys matchups in the past, I'm just like, Giants have no chance. Um, with right. Dable, I feel like they have more of a chance, although they are really banged up. Um, let's move then to the Saints who beat the Rams, although the Rams stink and they also lost their starting quarterback like during the third quarter. So th- that was what it And took. they didn't even have Wolford either because who was the guy that, that filled in? Uh, the guy I didn't even heard of. Yeah, I forget his name. He'd never played an NFL snap before. Uh, he was a 2020 undrafted rookie free agent signing. So uh, yeah, that's who the Saints beat. <laughs> Saints are playing the 49ers. 49ers coming off a short week oh, here, okay, yeah. having played on Monday, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 49ers are just, you know, 49ers, I think, have allowed 13.3 points per game in their last three. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's defense is back to playing well. They had that one bad game against the Chiefs, but really outside of that, they played well for the most part. Uh, what do the Saints have going for them offensively that you really like? Uh, the 49ers will be able to shut them down and win comfortably. Yeah, I agree. 49ers are playing at a high level right now. I think they're they may be they may be playing the best they may be the best performing team in the NFC the last, you know, 2-3 weeks or whatever. Um whatever that's worth. <laughs> but they they they're playing better after starting uh 4 and 5 and they are a much much more superior team to the Saints. How far of a flight by the way? It's like Mexico City to San Francisco uh in addition to the short week. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't think it matters because the Saints are garbage. Uh, what, what was that line again? It is nine and a half. Same as the Giants Cowboys. Mm, that's a big number though. Uh, yeah, but the Saints suck. Yeah. All right. I'm sold. I'll lay the nine and a half. It's a five hour flight, by the way, to answer your question. Okay. That's um, not too bad. All right. So we're both in agreement there. Uh, then we will move to the Falcons. At Commanders, Commanders are four and a half point favorites. I'll let you go first. Commanders are looking good lately. And the Falcons, I think, won last week. But that is not a good team at all. Um, They heavily rely on their rushing attack with Quarterell Patterson because Marcus Mariota is a bad passer. He can run the ball a little bit, but they have no passing game whatsoever. I think at one point in the season, I don't know if this is still true or not, but they were the most run-heavy team uh, in the NFL, mm. uh, a, a distinction that's normally held by the Tennessee Titans. Um, but yeah, I think it was Atlanta for a while this season. I don't know if they still hold that or not. But anyway, they can't run. They can't. They don't throw it because they can't throw it. And what does Washington do well? They stop the run with those with uh, those two defensive tackles, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, in the middle of their line. Um, so I, I don't like this matchup for for the Falcons, and I think the Commanders are just a much better team anyway. Uh, I hate laying, I hate taking a lot of uh, favorites, but uh, in this case, I kind of have to do it again. I'll, I'll lay the four and a half with the commanders. I'll take the commanders to win, but I like the points here. I mean, Heineke, okay. you know, for as much as, you know, Moxie, Feisty, whatever, five touchdowns, four interceptions this year. Um, also has two fumbles, lost one of them. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I just think this is a little too much respect for the commanders at this point. Not that I love the Falcons, but the Falcons have been frisky, I think, more often than not this season. And, you know, I think they're, they're, they can be able to cover this game. I think it's a field goal game um, close at the end. Uh, uh, yes, I have the commanders winning, but I will take the points, which brings us to Sunday Night Football, where really quickly, let me get your thoughts on the Eagles black helmet that they will be debuting. <laughs> yeah, I did a uh, 
a Packers radio hit yesterday, like with a a Green Bay radio station. And that was the first thing they asked me was what I thought of the the black uniform. They're like, did they, the question was, did they choose to wear all black because they like, because it's the Packers funeral? Yes. The answer is yes. And they weren't, they weren't joking. Like that was a serious question. And, uh, and the answer is no, like they, they chose what games they were going to wear the black uniforms for before the season even began. Yeah. (laughs) They were dead serious asking me that question, Mm -hmm. which I thought was funny. Um, I think they're fine. Like I know everyone wants the Kelly green. They couldn't, the reason that they're not Kelly green is because the Eagles and Nike, uh, Nike couldn't get the color match exactly right. And the Eagles weren't going to roll out some bootleg version of the Kelly green. They wanted to make Mm -hmm. sure they got it right before they, before they went with it. So it'll probably be 2023 that we see the Kelly green jerseys. Uh, In the meantime, they could at least do the black helmet with the black jerseys. I think it's, you know, at least something than uh, something different from the, uh, the midnight green that we've seen for what the last, when did they let, what year was the, uh, the Vic game against the Packers? Packers were the last time they wore the the Kelly green. What what, what year was it? 2010. It was the first game. It was the uh, Cobb. Yeah. Cobb year. Yeah. So it's been 12 years since we've seen a different mm-hmm. helmet from the Eagles. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to something different. Yeah, so bring on the black helmets. Sure, why not? I feel like maybe it's just the lighting I've seen in some of the uh, promotional material or whatever. But it almost looks like dark gray to me. You know, it doesn't even look like – it's not like matte <laughs> black. You know what I mean? It's not even like pure black. And, okay. you know, the Eagles uh, Midnight Green helmet has like a sparkle to it. You know what I mean? When you see yeah. it, like a bright light on it. So I think that's part of it. Uh, I don't think it looks bad, but it's just, it doesn't look that different to me. And especially like at night games and given how dark the Eagles helmet already kind of is the dark green, like it's, it's not that different from black. It's not going to look that different. I agree. It's not going to be dramatically different. So, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm pro uniform tweaks and changes because (laughs) if it stinks, then just don't wear it again. You know, it's not a big deal. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's just I don't. It doesn't really do a lot for me. I do like their black uniforms. I think that's a, it's a fun, and I do like how I forget when they made this change. It might be like I don't know, seven years ago now, eight years ago, where they used to wear you know like the white pants with the black uh, top, which mm-hmm. you know I don't think look as good. And I don't love how their black pants still have like that white stripe on them. I, like if you're gonna wear black pants, like make it all black. If it's gonna be all black, literally wear all black. Um, yeah, but whatever. Like the Ravens pants, yeah. Yeah, I think it's fun. I, I like it. I think it's a good look, especially, you know, for a, a big game. It's fun, too, that big game feel. I like a night game. The black jerseys at 1 o'clock don't hit the same way, you know, like a, a Sunday night football kind of, you know, big stakes game. I think that's it is a fun look. Um, but, yeah, there's there's your jersey talk. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to take the Eagles. I'm going to take them to win and cover. I know they've been struggling, but look at the Packers' resume. Like, they just haven't been good. And their most recent win was not like the sign of they're turning things around by any means. I think it was more about the Cowboys blowing it to a team. They typically Mm -hmm. blow it to or have been beaten by. Um, And again, they have not been good on the road. They've won one road game. It was by two points. I I think anytime they have looked good, which is not very often, it's been at Lambeau. Uh, They are not at Lambeau. They're back in Philly. I think the Eagles the past two weeks have not necessarily been like, like what is your, if you're, I meant to ask this to RJ. If you're like worried about the Eagles right now, what is like your biggest concern that is a common trend out of the last two games? 
because I don't think there is one other than they're turning the ball over more, which they reduced for some, you know, regression in the area for sure. Um, but I'm not like worried that that's going to continue to be an issue. Uh, Cause you know, at some point it's going to bounce back the other way. And I don't think the coaching is going to be as bad as it was in the Colts game. Uh, like you said, it's been much more better than not this year. So I'm counting on that to bounce back uh, the mm-hmm. defense. Certainly, again, Rodgers versus Gannon is not something I can just be like, set it and forget it. Um, but I do think this more hampered version of Rodgers will struggle a bit. And I think the the talent, uh, and, and even Rodgers aside, again, the skill players he has to work with, they're just not really striking fear uh, into the in the hearts of anyone right now. So I think the Eagles take care of business, and I think they win by, I'm going to say, um, I don't know if d- double digits lock, but I, I think they cover. Maybe it's eight, maybe it's nine, uh, but I'll say they win this game and cover the spread and advance to 10 and one. I'm taking the points. Wow. Uh, how many do I, do I get? Seven, right? Not six seven. and a half. Okay. So if it were six and a half, I might go the other way, but I'm, I'll take the seven. Let me look at the and, line uh, while you're saying it. I don't think it's going to be the same kind of struggle that they had against the Colts. I think they went a little bit more comfortably uh, in this game, but. Um, yeah, national stage. Uh, I think the Packers still have talent. Um, it's just it, I'm with you that they have not been a good football team this year. But uh, the Eagles vibes. are going through a the Eagles are going through a little rocky stretch right now, and it's actually we've made parallels I think to the 2017 team uh, at times because it's just the natural thing to do. You look at the last team that won the the Super Bowl, and there were plenty. Uh, on the positive side, but there are also some times during the 2017 season where they went through some rough stretches, namely at the end of the season uh, after they lost Carson Wentz, like the Raiders game was like a real struggle. Uh, they almost lost that game in the, in the really cold weather. They needed a late Jake. They needed a late uh, Ronald Darby interception, Jake Elliott field goal, the giants game in uh, New Jersey where they gave up like over a hundred, 500 yards and they gave up like, 29 points, I think, in that game. Uh, that game was a struggle. And, you know, we've seen a couple struggles. And, you know, before that, and when they still had Carson Wentz, they lost to the Seahawks in a game that they really struggled. Um, so I think we're seeing some struggle games for the Eagles right now. And at some point, you hope they get out of that and they start, um, you know, winning games more decisively. But right now, I think they're in one of these lulls where mm. they're trying to find their way. And I think they're, they're going to survive. And winning ugly for now is fine. Right. And I think that's what they'll do again here. Survive in advance. You get to 10 and 1, you know, you're buying yourself time yeah. to figure this out. Um, RJ seems to think the Cowboys are like now definitively winning the NFCs because the Eagles have stumbled here. Like as if <laughs> they're two games behind. Yeah. And they have a head to head loss. I know. But like <laughs> I, I said to him, he's very much giving me the energy of the meme where it's like the guy who's celebrating uh, with the champagne. And he's like grabbing the woman, and like then it zooms out, and he's like in the like the sixth place podium, like you know he's like he's not even he's like celebrating about being there when you know, yeah. there's people ahead of him. That's been the Cowboys' energy to me all year. It's like the Eagles have been ahead of them the entire season. Like you're getting all fired up, uh, and not to say they can't overtake the Eagles, but like you know they still got a ways to go. Um, yeah, they certainly can, but it's a crazy thing to it's not a foregone conclusion by any means. Point in the yeah. Season. yeah, 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 of course. So, uh, 
yeah, that's where Cowboys fans are. I feel like it's not just RJ. I think that's like kind of where Cowboys fans as a whole kind of are. I feel like they're in that realm right now. Uh, but all right. Uh, so we, but you have the Eagles winning, right? You said I do have the Eagles winning, okay. but yeah. and semi comfortably, just not by more than seven. Okay. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts? Yeah, Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, thankful for my daughter first and foremost, who I'm going to pick up. After we're done recording here. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, driving up to go get her. Have her through until Monday. So that'll be fun. Uh, thankful for my parents. For Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Her family. And we're going to her family for uh, Thanksgiving. And, uh, and of course, for my readers and uh, our, our listeners. Mm-hmm. And uh, Philly Voice. for I actually just got a bunch of, like, text messages. Not text messages. LinkedIn messages. Mm-hmm. Like, in a flurry. Because I just apparently, I don't like keep track of this or anything, but hit my eight-year work anniversary. Wow! Congrats, uh, with Philly Jimmy. Voice. So thank you for all the employment, uh, Philly Voice. Uh, so yeah, I'm thankful for all those things: family, friends, work, uh, being able to watch football games for a living. Yep, uh, all good stuff. I echo those sentiments, Jimmy. Uh, thank and you, buddy. Thanks, pal. I'm thankful for you as well. Uh, we've been doing this since what the 2019 season, so already yeah, it's multiple been a while. seasons here. That's fun. Um, I, you're a big reason why I've been able to do Bleeding Nation at all. You were just talking uh, in conversation about the uh, Bleeding Nation flag football games, and I was just like, wow, I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> I never was able to go. I mean, I was only probably it was only like, one. It was one oh, game, okay. as far as I know. Yeah, as far as I know, I was only probably like, man. Like sixteen or something at the time. It's a long time ago now. Um, that's crazy. But uh, but yeah. Uh, so thankful for you and all the listeners who we have here. Uh, everyone who subscribes, rates, reviews, all that good stuff, comments, any anything, any kind of inter- we tweets at us, whatever, all of that. Or even if you don't, and you're kind of just uh, like a stealth, you know, one of these stealth lurkers there who kind of just consumes the content but doesn't interact. Also, still thankful for you as well. I'm thankful for my parents who listen to every episode religiously and will text me and be like, Brandon, like, where's the episode? So they're like pressuring me to podcast, which is good. Um, uh, All that uh, friends as well. um, Everything, you know, all the basics, but uh, still good to say it. And in addition, I want to give a shout out to, uh, a little plug, you know, because I like to give uh, some plugs to some Philly food places, not only Philly food places, but especially, uh, you know, support your local Philly restaurants. And Dominican Sue, I don't know if you saw Jimmy was asking. I did. For, you yeah. had like you had like 10 recommendations for him. You know, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> no, kind of options. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And uh, one of those I put on there were, was a new place um, in Queen Village on six in Bainbridge, uh, former site of the giant uh, Philly sinkhole that uh, was, was created for a while there and a big deal. Um, so a lot of people know red crest based on their fried chicken and they are still doing that as a pop-up during the day. Uh, but they have a fancy dinner at red Ca- red crest chicken. Uh, I'm, I'm messing this up. Red crest kitchen, a little bit of a tongue twister okay. at night. Um, some really fancy dishes. So, and they're, and they're just starting out and they were dealt a really rough hand because they had just bought that location where they're at and then this like 130 year old or whatever uh, pipe burst in the ground right in the intersection Oof. by them, opening this massive sinkhole that was there for like almost a year, uh, like literally Oof. right before they bought this place. 
so they totally they, they got so screwed they they were they, they were so excited to um branch out from their fried chicken location to actually opening like a full service restaurant and cocktail and everything yeah and it took them like a year to, to rebound from all of this and they had to do like a, a fundraiser kind of thing to just to get back into this so um you know they've had a long road and i think it's kind of fun to support a business like that that turns out really quality stuff not only at the fried chicken um, but their new venture as well so definitely go check them out and uh, and support them you will not uh regret uh, doing that so give them a try if you're in philly um just one block away from south street all right that's bgn radio episode 291 we will be back with you after the eagles play the packers early next week um this has been brandon lee gowton follow me on twitter and instagram at brandon gowton that's jimmy kemsky at jimmy kemsky on twitter and instagram check out right to sell and craft jerky right to sell.com discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off if you're looking to buy sell or rent a house you want to call or text this phone number 856-906-9295 to contact Kristen roach from roach realtors and roach realtors.com check out DraftKings sportsbook check out the sb nation nfl show we will talk to you next time goodbye everybody bgn